So as Pastor Gary said earlier, he, uh, he mentioned we're talking about moments today, and uh, he, he shared, he knew that God had laid a word on my heart for today, and, and when he called last Sunday uh, and asked me to, to, to share this week, uh, at the immediate moment he asked me, I didn't really have anything, but literally within 10 minutes after he asked me, God poured in my spirit exactly the direction we're to go today. And, uh, and so all week long, everything, I mean, immediately Monday morning, coming in and started jotting some notes down, some, some going to Scripture and, and reading through the Christmas story. And, and uh, God was just very quickly pouring in, into me and onto paper exactly where we were supposed to go today. And everything that's happened this week, the things that we have dealt with, whether it's at the hospitals or other, other things, has all pointed and built up to this moment. It's helped, it's helped prepare. It's, it's helped... It's helped put into my heart exactly what we're supposed to be talking today. And so it was a confirmation. Yeah, God, thank you so much for giving the word today, even before I knew I was going to be giving it. And, uh, and so today we're going to talk about moments, moments. You know, every moment in life is full of moments that will forever change us. Life is full of moments that will forever change us. Now, you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about it. It's, it's that, that event, that thing that may happen that, that will change the course of possibly your life. It could change the course of your day, the course of your week. But we have those moments, and life's full of them. And we get out of bed in the mornings, and many times we, we get out of bed and we have routines that we're going to do. You have your routine. I have my routine. I'm not going to share you with you my routine because you would laugh today. But anyway, I have a routine. Amanda immediately knows what my routine is. But whether it's get up, get a cup of coffee, turn on the TV, whatever it is, get ready. you have a routine. And when we get up and start our routines, we start our day not thinking about this could be a day we have a moment that something specific is going to happen. We don't think about today could be the day when I go to work and I could get a promotion. We don't go to work or, and think today could be the day I could get fired because those would be the moments in life. We don't go to work and think or go to school and think today is going to be the day that God's going to place somebody in my path that I'm going to get to minister to. We don't sometimes think that way, although that should be our thought process. God, give me divine appointments and divine moments, but we don't. We're just, let's get real. I don't get up in the mornings thinking that way. But yet there are moments that happen many times that absolutely will rock my world, that will absolutely change the course of where I'm heading or my life. And I want you to think about something this morning. I want you to think about the fact that, that and, and take, take our lives like a puzzle. How many people like to do puzzles here this morning? A lot, of, a lot more in this service than there was last service. I'm not, I don't like to do puzzles. Anybody like to do those big big puzzles, 5,000, 10,000 piece puzzles that just sit around and it'll take a year to do that? Hey, that's awesome. I'm kind of a 10 piece puzzle kind of guy. I'm just going to tell you. It's those big ones that the little kids get and, it, and you know, in like 10, 10 to 20 pieces I can have my picture. That's about my, my patience level and about my intellect level, okay? Just going to be real with you. But you know, Life's kind of like a puzzle because 
Those pieces of the puzzle represent moments of our life. As we take those moments and we place them together, ultimately those moments are going to make up the end result of the puzzle piece, or the puzzle that we're looking at, the picture that we're, we've got there. Now the difference is when we buy one of those puzzles, we can see the picture on the box of what it's going to look like. But we don't have that luxury of knowing what the end's going to look like for us, but it's all the same. Moments. Moments that will change you forever. And as I'm saying that, we're all, you're all in this, here this morning, you're thinking about maybe a moment that's happened in your life. Maybe when it was young, maybe when it just happened today or this week, but you're thinking about a moment that had a, had a profound effect on your life and it's helped mold you. Maybe it's a moment of, of birth of a child, I don't know, that, that, that forever changed you in the direction of your life, and it, it just messed you up in some way. Now, today is my daughter Mackenzie's birthday, and I can officially, so I, when she comes in a little bit ago, I went up, gave her a hug, and said, happy birthday, and she said, dad, you can't tell me happy birthday yet. I'm like, why can't I? It's today's your birthday. She's like, it is not 1120, is it 1127? 11, she said, it's not 11:27 yet. I wasn't born yet. Okay, I'm so sorry. So I leaned over before uh, I come up on stage and I said, I can officially wish you happy birthday now. So anyway, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mackenzie. Happy birthday to you. Now she is wishing she went to summit today. But I think back to the moment when we had Mackenzie. It had a it had a huge effect on our lives. I think back to the night whenever uh, Amanda was, you know, we're getting close to her time for her to uh, to give birth to Mackenzie, and it was late one night, and uh, I went to bed, and Amanda's laying downstairs in the she's downstairs on the couch in the living room, and she's playing video games. Yes, Amanda is a gamer, so all you Fortnite people, whatever, find her online. She's probably there sometime. All right, she's but anyway, she she's a gamer. I'm not, but she loves to play video. So so we're, I, I go to bed that night. I'm upstairs in bed. And she's downstairs playing video games. She's not been feeling real good, kind of miserable. You know how it is, ladies, uh, being that far along pregnant. And I remember about, I don't know, probably 2 in the morning or something like that, I get a text from her. And she lets me know, yeah, upstairs text. And she, she's letting me know uh, what's the plan. Now, there was a lot of things going on that night. She said, well, what's the plan? We need to initiate it. She's not feeling good. Uh, thinks she might be going into labor, but she doesn't know. First baby, she doesn't know. And so I go downstairs. We develop a plan, and the plan was we need to get her to Floyd County Hospital because that's where she's supposed to live right and that's where her doctor's at. And so we're, we're heading in the car down there, and it's, the farther we get down 65, the more pain she's starting to get in. The, lay, the contractions are coming quicker and quicker, and by the time we get on 265, heading toward New Albany, again, they're just intensifying, and me as a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little more nervous about what's going on here, and I remember as we come off State Street exit, for those of y'all who are down that way a lot, you know what I'm talking about, as we come down State Street exit, uh, to go down straight, State Street to the hospital, come down the, the end of the ramp, and there's a red light. And we're coming up this red light, and Amanda says, we ain't got time for red lights. I was like, okay. So ran the red light. 
Turn on State Street, heading down. And if you know, State Street's got a lot of lights down through there. And guess what? Everyone I came to was red. And she kept, and she, she, and I'm like, I'm freaking out, you know, kind of this whole deal. And I'll start slowing down. She's like, we don't have time for red lights. Boom. I ran every light to the Floyd County Hospital was red, and I ran every stinking one of them that day. Uh, and thankfully, it was 4, 4.30 in the morning, and there wasn't anybody around. But I, I ran them all. And we get there, and Mackenzie comes uh, a little later on in the day. I mean, we thought she was going to have her really quick, and they ended up giving Amanda some sort of drug to slow things down, and it slowed it down too much. So 11.22, or 11.27 that morning on December 11th, 2010, Mackenzie was born. So, oh, yeah. But it's a moment. It was a moment that forever changed our lives. And I look at her life and how God's blessing her, and I'm a blessed, I, want to, I just want to say this, I am a blessed man. Because I have all my kids, all my kids are smarter than I am, okay? And I, so I'm a blessed man. But all my kids have changed me in some way. Those were moments in my life. But there are other moments too, and we'll get into those in just a moment. I want us to get into the Christmas story today because we're going to talk about some moments that forever changed all of us. First one is this. We need to, uh, uh, we need to go to Luke chapter 1. And let's look at Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Because Mary is going to have a moment. That will forever change her life, but also forever change our lives as well. So Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Let's read. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Wouldn't that be awesome to hear it? You have found favor with God. You will, be, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was who uh, was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Listen to me, church. Let the, if you've if you got your Bible right now, I want you to underline that. Double underline it like i got it in my Bible right here. For no word from God will never fail. Somebody needs to get that in your spirit this morning, for no word from God will ever fail. Because some of y'all in this room this morning, God has proclaimed things over your life. Maybe it's been years ago, but it will never fail. And you're looking back and you're thinking, God, when will, when will this happen? When will this, this come to pass? Listen, his word will never fail. If he spoke it, it will happen. We just cannot get impatient with God. And so Mary recognizes that. 
I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary has this moment. This moment that she probably, I guarantee, did not expect in a million years would happen to her. Let's get an understanding of Mary and, and her situation. Many people ask, how old was Mary? I mean, there's all kinds of numbers that were thrown at it. We don't know the, the exact age of Mary. We know she was an average Jewish girl, so chances are she was between the age of 12 and 16, 17 years old, because that's typically when they got married. They would have had their, their marriage already kind of made by the parents. She knew that she was going to be marrying Joseph. It was set up. And uh, so, but, but she would have been married sometime in that, that time frame. She was young. Ladies, imagine being that young, potentially as young as 12 years old, and you have an angel come to you and tell you what she just finds out. Now talk about mind shattering. For you ladies that may have been, you know, in your 20s and 30s and when you found out you're having your first child, imagine what that news was like for you when you found out that you were pregnant. It was life-altering. Can I get an agreement on that for you, probably? I know as a father, it was, it was, it was life-changing for me when you got that news. But this young girl finds out. Talk about, talk about some pressure. I mean, this angel says, you are going... Now, listen, she had favor with God. Because of that, we know that she had an understanding of the prophecies, that there was going to be a coming Messiah. She knew that. But now... She's presented with the fact that she's going to be the one to carry this baby. Man, what a weight on her shoulder that must have have felt. But you know what? She took it on. She had a moment. She had a moment that changed everything. You know, many times God will use an unlikely person to do an unlikely task. A teenage girl to bring in the Son of God? The chosen one, the Messiah? No, that doesn't make sense at all. Max Lucado, many years ago, wrote a book called When God Came Near, and it's one of my favorite books. And I, I know in that book he's got a chapter that, that's titled Absurdity in the Flesh. Absurdity in the Flesh. You know, as you really think about it, think about this whole Christmas story. The whole thing just seems absurd. Two teenage kids, a virgin birth, born in a stable. But he uses this unlikely person, this unlikely girl, to do a remarkable thing. And listen, that should be hope for you and I this morning. That he will use us to do unlikely things. Things that we've never dreamed or imagined to do. I would have never dreamed when I was a younger kid in my life that I would be doing and have the opportunity to do some of the things I've done in my life. I would never dream that and been able to lead some of the, the different kids and adults to the Lord that I've been able to in my life. He used an unlikely person. And you think, what I do is insignificant. There's no way he can use me. But listen, you never know when that moment's going to come when he's going to say, Haha, it's your turn i got something in store for you. I've got a plan for you. And then we got a decision we've got to make. He will use an unlikely person to do in an unlikely task, and it will cost you something. 
Hear me? And your calling is dependent, is not dependent on your location, but it's on your destination. Write that down. Your calling is not dependent on your location, but is dependent on your destination. Don't think that what you do in life is insignificant. Oh, I just, I just go in, punch clock in every morning at a factory. What's God going to do with me? I just do this. I just do that. Your calling is not dependent on your location, but on your destination. And Mary, this little teenage girl, middle of nowhere, was going to be used in such a way that would change the world forever. Let's move over to Joseph for just for a little bit. Because here again, he had a moment as well. We've got to go to Matthew for that one. So turn back to Matthew with me this morning. Chapter 1. And let's pick this up in verse 18. So Mary has a moment. And now Joseph's going to have one. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. There again, a faithful man, and yet did not want to expose her public disgrace. And we're seeing the character of Joseph here. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. He, he wanted to respect her. He, he wanted to do something that's not going to shame her. And so Joseph, this, this godly man, he's trying to figure this out. Everybody knew that they were supposed to get married. They were pledged to one another. And he's thinking, okay, this is, this is not good. What can I do? I don't want to bring disgrace on her. And so, he's, he's, he, again, his character's coming out here. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. And when Jesus woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consume their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So here we are, this, this whole scenario playing out. Joseph now has his moment. And what's so, once the angel appears to him and he has this dream, what's so crazy about this is the fact that they just immediately accepted what was going, there was no questioning it. They did it, and that tells me and shows me the extreme faith that they had in God, that they were willing to do that, willing to accept the cost that it was going to cost them. Because listen, think about this. This young man, this Joseph, who had just been a mere teenager himself, just finds, finds out that who he's supposed to marry is pregnant. Now, I don't know about you, but as a man, that would be a tough one to take, knowing that you weren't the one to get her pregnant. I'm just being real, Okay. Can any man in this room understand the feeling Joseph might have been at that point? 
But his character and his faith in God, he accepted what he was being told, and he knows it's of God, and he knows what it may cost him. He knows that people are going to talk. He knows he's going to have to face circumstances that he never would have had to uh, regardless. But he's willing to face the consequences of that and what that's going to entail. Again, you, you and your wife, your to-be wife, are now bringing into the world the Son of God, the one that had been prophesied about. Man, again, think about the weight. My goodness, I think about the weight of, of my kids when they were born. You've got this little tiny person that you're responsible for, and you just want to make sure they survive the first two or three nights at home by yourself. Amen? But Mary and Joseph, God, you're entrusting us with this. But they did it. And there was going to be a cost. The world was in chaos. The world was in absolute chaos. If you were here a couple Wednesday nights ago, I shared this and a little bit about this scenario and the narrative of everything going on. But we have to understand in the narrative of the story that, that there had been over 400 years of prophetic silence leading up to this time from God. Now, we can understand that. Think, when you start taking God out of things, there were faithful people, but listen, when you start taking God out of things, chaos ensues. And, and I have to believe that in that time, yeah, you had your religious people, but it was religion, and, uh, and you had, but there was a lot of negative and a lot of bad stuff going on in the world at that time. And that's where, that's where Joseph and Mary, they're bringing this baby into the world during this time. It's crazy, it's chaotic, but again, we can, we can understand that because what happened when... when God was taken out of schools, chaos ensued. We take God out of the government, chaos ensues. You take God out of the home, chaos ensues. It's chaotic, and we can get that, and we can understand that. But here we are, these two teenage kids now are getting ready to bring peace and getting ready to bring order into this environment, into this, uh, into this situation, and into the narrative of what's going on in the world right now. I want you to get this. Our faithfulness to God can turn moments of chaos and confusion into purpose and blessing. Our faithfulness to God can turn moments of chaos and confusion into purpose and blessing. And Joseph and Mary, by taking on what God has now placed upon them, now purpose and blessing is coming into the world. It's coming into the world. And I want you to think about this today, friends, because right now you may be faced with a situation where you're, you're in a moment right now. You're, you're trying to make decisions. God's placed you with this, and, and you're trying to figure it out. Listen, consider the cost. Be willing to accept the cost and move forward because he's going to reveal his purpose, his divine purpose for your life. Again, it's not about now. It's about destination and we will never reach the destination God has for us if we don't willingly step out and seize those moments in life. We'll never reach it. We'll, we'll never reach that picture that God has. 
really in store for us. Because I believe God's got to, you know, going back to the puzzle, he's, he knows what he, he sees. But those moments, many times, those puzzle pieces are determined by our choices. Faithfulness, though. Faithful, faithfulness will show you the purpose and take out the chaos and confusion. Now, this, uh, let's get real for a moment about the reality of what, what's happening here at this time. <laughs> because we paint a pretty picture. We paint a pretty picture when it comes to the nativity, Bethlehem. Uh, but it's not what, you know, we got out here in the, in the front lawn. We got, a, we got a pretty nice, pretty nativity scene. I think it was donated by the Crosdales. Few, am I right on that? Computers back. Beautiful. Awesome. Pastor Gary and Lou did a phenomenal job setting that up here a few weeks ago. Uh, all I did was come and help carry the things out. It was cold that day. I helped them get it out there, and I said, boys, it's all yours. I'm going to the office. Uh, but they did, they did a phenomenal job. It's pretty. It's nice. But here's the reality of the story. Here's the reality of what Joseph and Mary is dealing with here. you got two teenage kids, the Mary who's very, very pregnant, very close to delivering, and now they got to go because there's been a, a, a national census that has to take place. And their census is different from our census. You know, when our government takes a census, you know, we get a phone call, we get an email, we get a text message, want to know what, what's going on, where you're living at, and those sort of things. In those days, they had to go back to where they were from. So it, it was a process. And you got this, this teenage girl who was very, very pregnant, and this young guy who's got this pressure of trying to get, get her back to Bethlehem for this required census. And listen, they didn't have a nice ambulance. They didn't have a nice car with heat and padded seats. Mom, think about this. Nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey. And it wasn't just across the parking lot. It was miles and miles of that. Uncomfort, hurting, pain. There's costs involved. When we accept moments that God puts before us, there's a cost involved. And they get to Bethlehem and everybody's there. Again, in chaos. And they're going, and Joseph now is in this moment of being probably terrified, as I would be. I, I try to put, like I was the night when Mackenzie was born. I'm like, we got to get to the hospital. I got to get her to a doctor. Because I don't want her having this baby in the car on the side of the road. And Joseph's like, we got to find a place to stay. We, and, and just imagine, remember Amanda, we ain't got time for stoplights. Mary's like, Joseph, we ain't got much time for this. <laughs> he's going door to door. He's trying to find a place to stay. 
And I could just imagine frantically going up to people on the street that's walking by and people who are just doing their normal stuff and it's, it's crazy. And, and, uh, you know, we were down at, uh, toward Clarksville last night and we took, took McKenzie's, uh, ice skating. We're, we ate at New Albany and so we get on the road to go over to Louisville to the ice skating rink and the, the traffic's just crazy because of the season it's in and, and people were there shopping and all that. And, and, uh, but, but I can imagine Joseph is, he's walking through the street and, and coming up to people. He's like, do you have a place we can stay? And my wife, she's very pregnant. She's going she's gonna to deliver anytime. We've got to have a place to stay. And everywhere he turned, there was nothing. And I have to imagine that some of that wasn't necessarily because, get this, that there may not have been availability. It's because he encountered people that just didn't care. Because I'm thinking about what it's like right now. Because I'm guilty of it. I've had people that has come to me for help that I could have helped. And I didn't just because I just didn't care enough. And I've been convicted of that so many times. Just being real. And I can imagine Joseph encountering that a lot. <laughs> Shouldn't have got yourself in that mess. Shouldn't have been having a kid when you're that young. Deal with it. But they have a little bit of hope. And they find someone who takes them to a place that we have, again, made very beautiful, but it's not. To a stable. Probably wasn't like what we have. It probably wasn't nice boards and, and all. It probably wasn't necessarily even a building. It was probably more like a cave outside of town. And they just shoved this young teenage couple getting ready to have this baby, baby out of town. You think about this. How much have we, as a country, shoved Jesus out of town? Has there been times when we have shoved Jesus out of our house? So they go, probably in a cave outside of Bethlehem. It's cold. It's dark. It stinks. There's animals there. And all they got is this little trough that would have had hay so animals could eat out of it. And, and think about this. Think about this. You know, when, when kids are born today in, in such sanitary conditions and, you know, very protective and, 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 you know, but Jesus was laid in a baby bed full of germs and bugs and anything you can ever imagine filth-wise, and that's what he's laying in. But that's the reality. That's where... Where they're at. 
And now we're at the moment. We're at the moment. Go ahead, put that up, Dana. We're up, we're at the moment that changed everything for everyone. We're at the moment that changed everything for everyone. Mary's hurting. She's screaming. She's she's moaning. She's bleeding. Again, it's going to cost something. It, It costs her her own blood. It costs her her own pain, her own dignity. But she went there, and she did it because God asked her to. And the moment came when that little baby came into the world. Get this, and that first breath of life that Jesus took was the first breath of life for you and I. Let that sink in. Because his life, this baby came to earth to bring us life. And however it happened, I know for us, you, you, you have your baby and they, they pick the baby up and they spank them on the bottom or clear out their throat with, with a syringe to get the stuff out, what, however it is to get them to take that first breath. But Jesus took that first breath. It was our first breath spiritually. And that moment changed everything for everyone, whoever lived and whoever will live on this planet. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there were no guest rooms available for them. In that moment, that moment, when that little baby took his first breath, everything changed. And really, nobody knew except for Mary and Joseph and a few shepherds that were minding their own business out in the field. And the angel spoke to them, and then they had a moment. And their lives changed forever. And the world just kept going. The world just kept going. And the world keeps going. But many times just don't want to acknowledge and know that Jesus has came to the earth. Jesus grows up, we know, into a boy. A boy who was probably made fun of. A boy that fell and, and, and scraped his knee and, and bloodied his knees. Probably a boy that, that got in arguments with his friends and, and uh, you know, had, had back and forth with his, his, his brothers and, and, and those sort of things. He was, he was a kid. He was a normal kid except the fact that he, he didn't sin in all that. 
And he grew up, and there were moments after moment after moment when he became a man and he started his ministry. There were time and time, and, and the lady with the issue of blood, there was a moment when she touched his robe and she was healed. There was that moment when he, he healed the blind man of sight. There was that, that, that moment there, when, when the young girl was raised from the dead. Moments after moments after moments that happened for people when they came in contact with Jesus. Because they knew who he was. They re- and listen, when we have those moments right now in life where he wants to touch us and he wants to heal us. And some of y'all in this room, we've experienced those moments. And then there was that moment when he went to the cross. That moment when he took the whips and he took the beating. And he took the cussing. And that moment he went to the cross. And the moment he died. You see, none of that would have happened without the baby. From the moment Jesus took his first breath, the shadow of the cross was in his future. That very moment. That was his destination. Why? Because there was a moment at the very beginning of time when Adam and Eve sinned. And God said, all right, I still want relationship with my people. And so I'm going to, I've got a plan. You see, it's about, again, not not then. It's about a plan. It's about the future. It's about a destination. So I've got a plan. And it involved a baby a couple teenage kids and meeting them in a moment and they accepted it. And then there was that moment. On the third day after he went to the cross, that moment when he came out of the tomb and death was broken. This isn't going to be up on the screen unless Dana surprises me. Uh, I didn't... This was kind of a last-minute deal because I want you to get this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I'll be honest with you, Mike, if you're watching, Brandon, I reason that this, this right here I've, I wanted to add at the end this is because of what y'all are dealing with right now, and I wanted this to be, be encouragement to you this morning, and I, not just them, but, but for, for many in this room today. Pastor Dave, you can come on up. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that moment that happened in Bethlehem, that moment that happened in Jerusalem and the cross and the resurrection, all those things, those, those moments we meet with God and, and, and things happen. Here, here it is. Get this. And if this doesn't get you excited, if this doesn't get you wanting to scream and shout and holler and testify, then I don't know what will. Because it gets me this way. And, and, and Mike and Brandon, I want, and you guys, I want you to, to hear this because this is what, what Treve is experiencing right now. But in, in starting in verse 50, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not 
all sleep, but we will be all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the imperishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has, swallowed, has been swallowed up in victory. Oh my goodness, that was, that was pitiful. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh death, is your, uh, death is your victory? Where, oh death, is your sting? The sting of uh, death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not vain. Listen, we are here on this earth to, to give God all glory and praise, but we have moments Listen to me. We have, we have a lost and dying world. They need to hear about this baby Jesus. They need to hear about the reality. But they need to know we serve a living Savior today. And they need to know that this on earth isn't it. I'm so over this. I can't wait to get to where Treva's at today. Church, come on. That's what we got to look forward to. Man, we, listen... Mike Treva's not, Treva's not having to deal with cancer no more. It's not there. She got the ultimate healing. But listen to me. Right now, we have the opportunity, and you're going to have the opportunity. I believe today's going to be a, a moment for somebody. There's going to be a moment where you're going to have the opportunity to tell God yes, or you're going to tell Him no. To tell him, I'll go, or I'm just going to stay where I'm at. This is your moment. You've got an opportunity, church, to say, you know what? I've been battling this disease. I've been battling this junk. And God's given you a moment to say, all right, enough's enough. Come up here and let somebody pray over you for healing. Because God wants to heal you. And he'll, he'll, heal in, he'll heal in different ways. But he wants to heal you. Maybe right now, somebody in this, this, this room or you're listening online, maybe right now at your house, on your counter of your house, you have a bill that's sitting there. And that due date is coming up like within just days. And you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know how this is going to get paid. And Pastor Gary's up there in front saying, hey, let's do this uh, first fruits offering. I want to do that, but I got this. Let me tell you something. You're faithful to God. Come on. You're faithful to God. He'll be faithful to you. And you just need prayer, of, a prayer of confidence, a prayer of blessing. And turn it over to God. Quit stressing about it. Turn it over to God. See, here's a moment. I'm just going to share this, and then we're going to, we're going to close out. But my, I remember my, my big moment when I was 12 years old. 12 years old and 
my moment was sitting in a revival meeting on a Sunday night at a little country church, Coffee Creek Christian Church in Paris Crossing, Indiana. And Tom Franklin, who was the pastor at that time at Austin Christian Church, was doing preaching revival. And my pastor, Ronnie McKinney, was standing at the front of the church when the invitation time was given. And I had a moment. And in that moment, as a 12-year-old boy, I recognized and understood what Jesus did for me. And I understood that he did that for me. I got to give him my life. And walking down that aisle and walking up to my pastor with a smile on his face, with tears in his eyes, him hugging me, and then walking in, putting on this white robe and going down into the baptistry. It's back in those days, you couldn't get baptized unless you had a white robe on. Just kidding. <laughs> That's what, what I thought when I was a kid. But he got baptized. And I remember walking, coming up out of that, that water and feeling like, man, this is all new. This is different. And it was. Because in that moment, what Jesus did for me. And this morning, I believe there's somebody in this house today. You're about to have a moment where God wants to do that for you.